The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today, we are going to be looking at Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 6, Gilderoy Lockhart. This is my favorite person in the whole world. If you can't tell, the sarcasm is strong with this one. (laughs) So the beginning of this chapter starts out with Harry seemingly experiencing depression. And the interesting thing is the enchanted ceiling in the Great Hall seems to reflect his mood. It appears dull and is cloudy and gray. What do you think about this correlation with depression? I think that for some individuals, that's what depression might feel like, right? This kind of heavy gray kind of feeling where it's hard to enjoy things even things that we've looked forward to for a while. And it might feel like almost like a storm is coming, like the weather is changing. And so it's understandable that after being in trouble with the school, Harry is feeling this way. Yeah, I find that just super interesting that it was reflecting his mood. As you can imagine, Mrs. Weasley is kind of pissed off at Ron for taking the enchanted car to Hogwarts and causing all this trouble. She ends up sending him what's called a howler. It may look like an innocent little red card, but it is so much more than that. It's essentially a magical voice recording of Miss Weasley just chewing Ron out. Ronald Weasley! How dare you steal that car! I am absolutely disgusted! Your father's now facing an inquiry at work, and it's entirely your fault! If you put another toe out of line, we'll bring you straight home! What are your thoughts on this magical form of expression? Well, it seems to be really effective. We don't fully know how Ron is feeling, but he he seems to be very uncomfortable. I think that the mechanism that we're seeing in the howler is public shaming. Mm. And whether it's parents or teachers or other educators use public shaming, it's so aversive that kids are unlikely to do that behavior again. Now, although that kind of, whether you call it discipline or teaching strategy, can be very quickly effective, this kind of strategy is not helpful in the long term in that it can breed anger and resentment. So if this strategy is overused the way that Snape, for example, uses public shaming, you can create the kind of animosity that we're seeing between Harry and Snape, for example. 
Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting point. I, I think that's interesting correlation making, you know, be a public shaming thing because it's definitely public shaming. It was right in the middle of their feast in the Great Hall. Oh, no. Look, everyone. Weasley's got himself a howler. <laughs> Go on, Ron. I ignored one from my grand once. It was horrible. Everybody sees it. It wasn't a private call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In this chapter, we meet another professor. We meet Professor Sprout, who is the herbology teacher. She knows her stuff. She seems to be coming back from bandaging and nursing the Whomping Willow. She put the branches in slings and all that cool stuff. She took care of the Whomping Willow because she's a herbology teacher. Gilderoy Lockhart is accompanying her and he is making it known that he was showing her the right way to bandage the Whomping Willow and all that stuff. It's obvious that Professor Sprout was very disgruntled and not her cheery self. Lockhart obviously doesn't know anything about herbology, so why would he claim to be better at something than someone who is actually an expert? So not knowing exactly how Lockhart thinks and feels, but just kind of from an outsider's perspective, it seems like it's once again to boost his ego. And as a reader, especially this time around, I found myself absolutely infuriated at him because not only are we seeing traits of this narcissism but we're also seeing traits of toxic masculinity and mansplaining he's explaining something that professor sprout knows a lot more about Mm -hmm. and basically telling her that he can educate her or educate the other kids about herbology is an insult and i think is just another example of how some individuals sometimes come across as extremely arrogant and rude in this kind of way. And so I think that it's a really powerful example. So in reading this, I think most people are able to identify that this behavior is not appropriate and this behavior is really toxic. So I imagine that Professor Sprout was quite infuriated and as a reader i was infuriated for her his behavior is just really hard to even imagine it's cringeworthy yeah exactly let me introduce you to your new defense against the dark arts teacher me gilderoy lockhart order of merlin third class honorary member of the dark force defense league and five times winner of which weekly's most charming smile award. But I don't talk about that. I didn't get rid of the band and banshee by smiling at them. <laughs> so Lockhart takes a huge interest in Harry because Harry's famous. He tells him that he's sorry to have given Harry the publicity bug which suggests that he's superior to Harry or at least an equal. What I'm really sensing here is Lockhart's concern for any attention loss. I couldn't help but consider that Lockhart's fear is somewhat the same as Draco's. They might share this concern of losing attention. The interesting thing is their treatment of Harry is different. What are your thoughts about Lockhart's behavior in correlation to Draco's? I think that... Unlike Draco, who bullies Harry and puts him down, Lockhart uses a lot more methodical ways in terms of saying that Harry is nothing compared to Lockhart. 
kind of subtly pointing out that Harry still has ways to go to be yeah. at Lockhart's Follow level. Follow in my footsteps, young man. And, you know, we see some examples of almost gaslighting here where he will make Harry's words mean something other than what Harry's saying or his actions be something other than what Harry's attempting to do, all in a way to manipulate Harry to be seen as less than mm -hmm. and we see some predators engage in that behavior for example some individuals that might be in a relationship whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship with someone and use subtle manipulation techniques to make that person feel inferior over time so that they can then manipulate and control that person and understanding that it actually makes Lockhart very scary he is a predator we know that he uses his charm to attack people as we find out later in the series he actually gains other people's information and then obliviates them yeah it takes their mind absolutely and so this kind of person on the first glance might just seem pompous and annoying but when we really get to know him we realize that Lockhart is outright dangerous yeah he'll do anything to keep his status or whatever Inclu it doesn't matter including really hurting somebody and messing up their life and we're seeing some of these signs here and I think sometimes when people first meet someone who's narcissistic they might see some of their quirks but might not realize how awful this person really is and it starts with this kind of manipulation where the person might use subtle forms of gaslighting to make the individual either question themselves or try to explain what they're actually thinking but not being able to because the narcissist might then completely manipulate what's happening and so we're seeing hints of that here and thankfully Harry didn't end up falling into Lockhart's trap but it was really heading there right it's scary. It's so scary that I want to change the subject from Gilderoy Lockhart, even though this whole chapter is about him. Back to Professor Sprout. In this chapter, Professor Sprout is teaching the students how to replant mandrakes. Morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Welcome to Greenhouse Three Second Years. Now gather round, everyone. Today, we're going to repot mandrakes. Who here can tell me the properties of the mandrake root? Yes, Miss Granger. Mandrake, or mandragora, is used to return those who've been petrified to their original state. It's also quite dangerous. The mandrake's cry is fatal to anyone who hears it. Excellent. Ten points to Gryffindor. Now, as our mandrakes are still only seedlings, their cries won't kill you yet but they could knock you out for several hours, which is why I've given each of you a pair of earmuffs for auditory protection. So could you please put them on right away? Quickly. Flaps tight down and watch me closely. You grasp your mandrake firmly. You pull it sharply up out of the pot. These plants look like ugly little baby group babies. <laughs> Our group babies. <laughs> I am Mandrake. <laughs> yeah. But the really interesting thing about them is that they provide many restorative applications. However, their scream could kill you if you hear it. It really seems that death lurks around every corner here at Hogwarts. I mean, it's just like anything can kill you at any moment. You can walk into a room and a three-headed dog will bite your head off. 
or little baby Groot can scream and kill you. Longbottom's been neglecting his earmuffs. No, ma'am. He's just fainted. Yes, well, just leave him there. Right, on we go. What do you think about this wild little plant that they introduced? I think it's really neat. Again, I don't presume to know the author's intentions, but to me, it seems like a really brilliant metaphor for science. Um, some of the vaccines we have are actually made from some of the most dangerous diseases, right? And the way that we've been able to combat a lot of these diseases by using them as vaccines. You know, snake venom is what we use for antidotes and for, for treatment of certain illnesses, mm -hmm. too. And so it's interesting how, depending on how it's applied, the same kind of an ingredient or, or plant can either heal you or kill you. And I think it's a really interesting idea that makes herbology or botany really cool and interesting. So we meet another student in this chapter. His name is Colin Creevy. His character is extremely anxious and kind of awkward. Hi, Harry. I'm Colin Creevy. I'm in Gryffindor too. Oh, hi, Colin. Nice to meet you. He's also muggle-born, and he carries a camera around to take a bunch of pictures for his dad, who is non-magical and is actually a milkman in real life. What is it about anxiety that makes some people talk very fast and come off awkward in some situations? That's a great question. I think that when we're socially anxious, and I, I don't know if Colin Creevy was meant to be socially anxious, but he appears to be. So when individuals experience anxiety, their body often produces higher amounts of adrenaline and cortisol. And as a result, they might move faster and talk faster and appear more excited. It's possible that Colin could be talking faster specifically because the adrenaline that his body is producing is making him do so. It's also possible that that's just his nature. Some people mm -hmm. are naturally moving and talking faster than others, but you're right, he does have some quirks. And so I wonder about whether there were maybe some kind of either cultural differences that maybe made him have some different communication skills from other people. He seems to not fully grasp boundaries mm -hmm. and how his actions are affecting other people and how him showing up at certain places might be not fully favorable and might not be what other people want of him. So I think that he might be lacking some social skills. So he might be someone who could really benefit from some social skills training. And it's probably someone who's so desperate to have friends and to make a good impression that unfortunately, the very thing he's trying so hard to do is causing him to create some social for pause, mm -hmm. which is unfortunately then making people less likely to talk to him. I also imagine that being Muggleborn, he is super excited about this like magical world that he's in. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 this is so cool. Everything. Ah. You know, I could see that. I mean, I'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> he so. also seems to be kind of like a, an adorable fanboy. And, you know, I think he's endearing, truly. But I can see how him showing up everywhere can be really uncomfortable, especially for Harry, for example, if he's following him around. So, unfortunately, we have to get back to Gildor Lockhart for a second. This is an interesting situation. Gildor Lockhart gives his students a quiz, and this quiz is a full 54 questions all about himself. I see you've all bought a complete set of my books. Well done. 
Now, I thought we'd start today with a little quiz. Nothing to worry about, just to check how well you've read them. Thank you. How much you've uh, taken in. Look at these questions. They're all about him. What is Gilderoy Lockhart's favourite colour? What is Gilderoy Lockhart's greatest achievement to date? You have 30 minutes. Start. Now! He's teaching defence against the dark arts, not the history of Gilderoy Lockhart, right? Are there levels of narcissism? Because it would appear that he belongs at the top. There's not really levels of narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder diagnosis, if that is what he has. But you're right in that he does appear to have more of the symptoms and the attributes than some of the other individuals that we might meet. And to give a test that is all about himself is quite inappropriate, <laughs> in, I think, in any yeah. school when that is not at all the subject he should be teaching. Most definitely. Can I just say it? He disgusts me. <laughs> he really does. So in this chapter, we're introduced to another species of magical creature, the adorable but extremely mischievous Cornish Pixies. That's all I really have. The truth is I brought them up just so I can play the movie clip and hear the the one just yell out, Yee-haw! I love it so much. Now, be warned. It is my job to arm you against the foulest creatures known to wizard kind. You may find yourselves facing your worst fears in this room. Know only that no harm can befall you whilst I am here. I must ask you not to scream. It might provoke them! Cornish pixies? Freshly caught Cornish pixies. <laughs> Laugh if you will, Mr. Finnegan, but pixies can be devilishly tricky little blighters. Let's see what you make of them. No! <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is a perfect opportunity to end this episode. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. So how would you like a chance to win a free signed galley copy of Dr. Scarlett's new book, Dark Agents? If you are interested, we'd really love to hear from you. All you have to do to enter is rate, review, and comment about either of our podcasts. We will pick one listener randomly to win this book. 
So stay tuned and good luck. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and have a magical day.